0: Hey, it's Kevin. Thanks for joining us online today here at Thrive Church. You've actually joined us in a series called First Fruits. And no, it's not about eating your fruits and vegetables, though you should eat your fruits and vegetables because they're good for you. Um, This series, what we're looking at is how do we leverage our resources to honor God? We believe everything that God has given us is from Him. Every resource, every dollar, every breath is for God. And so as a follower of Jesus, we want to also return that back to God and say, we want to honor you. And we have a saying at Thrive that God gets the first and the best and then we'll trust Him with what's left. Or we'll give God the first and the best and we'll honor Him with what's left. And so in the same way, we want to teach you during this series how to honor God and leverage your resources to build God's kingdom because you'll have a focus, either I'll build my kingdom or I'll build God's kingdom and sometimes those kingdoms are opposed. And we want to help you as a follower of Jesus today to see the blessings and the benefits and the rewards of building God's kingdom and putting Him first. Why? Because He's given us everything that we have. Hope you enjoy today's message from one of our communicators here at Thrive Church.
1: Just a toy. That toy did nothing for me but some false security in my mind. I thought that this thing would keep me safe. I don't care if it does cool this cool thing where the mask flips and all No, it's just a toy. You see, when you and I, when we make the decision to follow Jesus, there's something that has to happen. Just like I had to, when I realized this toy has no power, you have to renegotiate aspects of your life. When I made the decision to follow Christ, I was in high school. Before, literally probably the week of, week before that I made the decision to follow Christ, I was just this pothead that went to school, smoked pot, and did really nothing else besides destroy mailboxes as a teenager. I was a punk. I was a jerk. I was terrible. But when I made the decision to follow Jesus, I had to come to the grips of renegotiating. I had to renegotiate how I spent my time. I had to renegotiate the type of hobbies that I had formed. I had to renegotiate the friendships that I had in my life. I had to renegotiate how I approached conflict. I had to renegotiate how I handled my stress. Because, see, at that time in my life, if I, if I got stressed I mean, again, I was like 14, 15. I don't really have a lot of stress for a kid. But when I did, I would just play video games, smoke pot. But when I began to follow Jesus, I had to change things. But see, understand when I say this, I'm not talking about that Jesus is after this behavioral thing where once you begin to follow him, you've got this list of do's and don'ts. I wanted my life to align with scripture. So for me, as I would read and I would study scripture, I began to come across things that I had to renegotiate on. You see, there was a period in my life where I thought going to church didn't matter. I thought assembling together on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night or a small group, I thought it was pointless and stupid. I don't need that. I can just serve Jesus. But as we heard Pastor Kevin's message last week, that's the isolation trap. We can follow Jesus for ourselves, but not by ourselves. But for me, it wasn't a sermon. That unlocked that. It was me reading Hebrews chapter 10 that unlocked that. Because I began to read in Hebrews chapter 10 that we should not forsake meeting together. I was like, oh snap. That means whether I want to or not, I should be in a community of believers. Because see, here's the truth when we follow Jesus, from that point on, it says that we are not our own. What I personally feel, think, and believe really doesn't matter. What does matter is what does God say? What does God think? What does God feel? What does God desire for our lives? And listen, this is easy for us to talk about when we're talking about our time, how we use our skills, but over the next four weeks, next four weeks is how money and God operate in our lives. Now, now, listen, I understand the hesitation. Some of you, the second I said the word money, you tuned out. You said, forget this. You're lucky I'm here today. You won't see me next week. Well, just hold, just hold on. Because let me be real with you. Why is it in this day, in this time, in culture, the second anyone wants to give wisdom or guidance about literally one of the most precious resources God's blessed us with that can be used to build his kingdom why do we freak out? Why do we have this internal, ooh, it's one word, trust. The culture that we live in, there are times it's hard to trust anyone that talks about money because immediately you and I, because guess what? I'm in this boat with you because I start leaning. Actually, I don't lean out. I lean in because I want to see what they say. I want to see, okay, is what they're going to say actually biblical or is it them just trying to say nice things to pat their pockets? I'm going to tell you, I don't want your money. What I want is for you to live a life that is in line with what the Bible wants for you. Because when we live a life that is biblical, we live a life that is blessed. Now listen, when I say blessed, I don't mean that you're going to have stuff. That because, oh, I'm going to start honoring God with my finances, that means that I'm going to have everything. My bank account's never going to be in the red. That means No, that means God's going to be involved in every area of your life. That means you are giving permission, you're walking in faith, because it is a risk sometimes to tithe and give, and you're like, eh, I don't know if I can do it. But I want to tell you we can't afford not to. But here's here's the good thing. Like, what's the good thing? I'm not here to tell you what I think, feel, and believe. Because my opinion matters zero. What does God say? Here's what I want you to turn with me to Ecclesiastes chapter five, verse 10. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 10. And this book of the Bible is literally one of my favorite books. It was written by the third king of Israel. His name was Solomon. And he wrote two other books. They're what's called wisdom writings in the Old Testament. You have the book of Proverbs, which is super smart stuff. If you want to feel smart, read and learn Proverbs. Then you have his other book, which is Song of Songs or Song of Solomon, depending upon your translation. And I'll just put it this way. If you've never read it, you should definitely read it with your spouse. You'll have a good week. Anyways, but Ecclesiastes, here's what's unique. You see, Solomon, God called him the wisest man that ever lived. And he was the king, and listen, he was loaded. He built these immaculate buildings. He actually built the temple, and the temple was so insane, so amazing, other kings and queens would travel from far just to come look at it. It was like us going to D.C. to look at the monuments and gaze at its beauty, or Mount Rushmore, they would come from afar and look and check it out. But here's why I love Ecclesiastes. It was written towards the end of Solomon's life. And he was a crotchy, irritable old man. So when we read Ecclesiastes, this is not the book you go to for encouragement. This is the book you go to for perspective. And what we're going to read today is what happens when we put our faith in money. So let's read this passage Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verses 10 and 11. It says, those who love money will never have enough. How meaningless to think that wealth brings true happiness. The more you have, this is what I love, the more people come to spend it with you. So what good is wealth except perhaps to watch it slip through your fingers? You see, he's giving us a perspective on money. He's showing us, specifically his audience at that time, of what happens when we put our faith and our trust in money because it's pointless, it's meaningless. We're doing it to try to pursue happiness, but really, what good is it other than for people to come out of the woodworks? You've seen all the stories. I just won the lottery, and my third cousin, who I've never met that lives on the other side of the world, hears about it. Hey, man, you know, I sure do love you. I'm so glad to be a part of your family. So as we kick off this series, here's our big idea today. This is what everything's going to come back to. This is what you need to write down, text it to your friend, put it on Facebook, tattoo it on your neighbor's arm, whatever it takes. But money promises only what God can deliver. Money promises only what God can deliver. There's this adage that says money talks, and it does. Ooh, money talks. It's a whisper. It's a nudge. You get paid a little bit more than you thought you would. Hey, I know what you should do with that extra money. So what happens typically is we have these unexpected bills. We lose our jobs. Chaos in life. And it's in that moment, you and I, we make one of two decisions. We think immediately, I need money to fix this. Or... I need God to fix this. You see, in that moment, we come to this crossroads. We have to make a decision. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I kind of do both. This week, earlier this week, Tuesday, I get a bill in the mail that I was not expecting. And you know what my first instinct is? Man, I need some money to do fix this. And then I remembered the sermon that I have to preach today. I'm like, I better change change that to actually I need God. So it's this tension to manage. It's this intentionality that you and I have to have that as we approach these unexpected situations, the situations that stretch our money and our finances, that we have to remember that our good God is our ultimate provider. He is the one that's guiding us, directing us, leading us, providing, keeping us safe as we follow him. So in those moments, we have to remember that God is more important. See, just like this wonderful, awesome Red Ranger it was promising something it cannot, will not deliver. Money does the same thing. Money tries to promise things and makes this attempt. Oh, no, no, I can fix that. I can handle that. No, no, don't worry about that. But it's not going to. It may do a halfway, but it's never going to be fully. So we're thinking, well, Keith, what in the world does money try to promise us? Well, it's three things. The first one is Joy. Money attempts to tell us and promise us that it can give us joy. But the truth is, money can't give us joy. Money can give us happiness. It can make us feel good. Okay, It can make us buy that thing that we've always wanted. Some of you want that new iPhone. Yeah, some of you, for some unknown godly reason, want the new Android phones that are coming out. And I'm praying for you. (laughs) But you see, joy is a fruit of the Spirit. Joy is what's produced in a life that is pursuing and following the Lord. You go to a third world country. I remember going to Nicaragua and seeing believers there that have next to nothing compared to what I've been blessed with. And they have joy. You see, joy does not come from stuff. Joy only comes from a life that is full in Christ. The only way, the only way that we can have this full joy is to... Basically, stop listening to money and continue to follow the Lord. So the first thing that it's going to give this false promise of is joy. The second one that goes right along beside it, because sometimes we think it go together, is it tries to promise us contentment. Money tries to say that, man, if you just have more of me, if you have more money, you'll be content, you'll be set, you'll be fine. But it's not. It's the curse of always wanting a little bit more. We think, man, if I just get that raise, if I just get that bump, man, we'll be set. Then you get that raise, and then you know what you're saying? Man, you know what? If I get that next raise, get that bump, man, we'll be set. You know what? This TV is not good enough. I need the bigger TV. I need the 7K TV. No, that does not exist yet. I'm not that cool. But when we get it, it ends up leading us to something else. There is no contentment in money. It's a snare, it is a trap that continues to lead us down this, this path that pulls us away from what God has for us and what God desires for us. Paul, he said this in Philippians, whether I have a little or a lot, I learned the secret of contentment in Christ. Stuff will not satisfy us fully. To be honest with you, I think that we have this, we have more of a love of the idea of it than the actual item. I wanted a dog for years. I wanted a dog that would cuddle with me. I wanted a dog that when I walked in would just go ballistic. And guess what? We got a dog. Guess what? That dog used the bathroom all over the living room. That dog would chew on things. And I began to realize I love the idea of a dog, not the responsibility. And there are times we love and think that we, if we have this stuff We'll be fine. And then we get it, and we realize, man, this was a waste. It was not worth it. I don't feel fulfilled anymore. So then we go searching for something else. Money will not bring contentment. It will not bring joy. And the third false, fake promise that money tries to throw in our face, and this is the one that I battle with probably more than any of the other two, is security. Money tries to say, if you have enough of me, you'll be secure. If you build up your savings and count for those three to six months of emergency fund, as Dave Ramsey says, you'll be set. You ain't got nothing to worry about. When you talk to individuals that lost all their wealth, all their money when the market crashed about 10 years ago, where was their trust? Where was their faith? Was it in the stuff? Was it in the money that can be easily taken away? Or was it in God who provides? who guides, who leads us. No amount of money can give us security of our salvation because we're not saved by how much stuff we have or by what good deeds we've done with our money, but it's only through faith in Christ. It's only in him that we can have everlasting life, that we can have forgiveness of our sins. It doesn't matter how posh you are. It doesn't matter how good we look, how much stuff you have. It's about where we are in Christ. Do not fall into the trap and allow finances and money and the desire for stuff to rob you from having the joy that only God can give. The contentment that's only in Christ and security that we can only find in him. That no matter what we're facing, no matter what we're going through, he is for us. He is not against us. And Paul, he said this to Timothy. This is a young pastor in a rich city called Ephesus. It's in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. People typically say money is the root of all evil. Uh-uh, nope, sorry. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. The love of money, the craving of money. And the result is never stronger faith. It's the opposite. It's a weaker faith. So here's what we have to do. How do we quit serving money? What are we supposed to do instead? This is our next step. This is what you and me, this is what we have to do. When we leave this place today is this. We will never serve God with our money instead of serving money. I'm sorry, we will serve God with our money instead of serving money. We will serve God with our money, with what he's blessed us with, with what he's put in our lives. And this is not something I came up with. This is actually in uh, the first recorded sermon of Jesus. He talks about this. And when he's speaking to these individuals, they are not rich peeps. They are typically probably poor. They're tradesmen. And they were being, like, taxed to death by Rome. So this isn't like they were, he was talking to some rich individuals. This is what he says in Matthew six twenty four: No one can serve two masters. For you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. Listen, he could have said anything. He could have compared, he he didn't have to say money. He could have used sex. He could have used alcoholism. He could use addiction. He could use workaholism. But no, money. We cannot serve both God and money. Now, let me go ahead and clarify something. As the disciple, as a follower of Jesus, it is okay to have stuff. It's okay to have money. But it's not okay for your stuff or money to have you. For it to have control. For it to have rule. That everything you do is pushing towards you getting more money or more stuff. We are not going to be enslaved to money, but we're going to take the money and what God's blessed us with, and we're going to serve God. We're going to let it build His kingdom and what He desires and what He has purpose for in our lives and in the lives around us and in our community. Because, listen, I already know that even even now, some of you, as you've been listening to this, you can't, you just kind of roll your eyes because you think the pastor's up there, he's preaching, he just wants money. Listen, I really don't. I. I I'm going to speak openly, but try not to be a jerk. That's a bad, bad combination. My life and my well-being is not dependent upon you as an individual, but is upon the Lord. And I, just as Paul, I have lived with little and I've lived with what I would consider to be much. And I'm not worried because my God is bigger than my perspective and my opinion. Because listen, guys, I'm wrestling with this. Cool. Celebrate it. That's awesome. I'm weird about that. I'm wrestling with this just as we're sitting here together. So please don't get a twisted thing and thinking that, oh, what Cus Keith's up there talking about, he's got a hammer down. He's got, no, man, I am struggling and pushing through this and letting this dissect and pull away things in me that I've been holding on to that I didn't know I was holding on to. Listen, do not let Satan lie to you and ignore this information. Because, listen, here's the, other, here's the other side of the coin. If we ignore this, I don't know if you knew this, but two of the main arguments that happen in a marriage is about sex and finances. That's it. We are not shy at Thrive. I'm sorry if your kids are in here. Kids ministry is awesome. But listen, just this week, shoot, this week, yesterday, me and my wife, we got into an argument. Guess what it was about? Money. Guess what? Earlier this week, around Tuesday, we got into another argument. What was it about? Money. You know why? Because I'm living this out. And I don't want my marriage to be sacrificed and fall to the wayside because of my pursuit of money. Because my pursuit of more. For me, honestly, the argument's more about the fact that I don't want to spend money and I'm cheap. But that is for me and for me alone. But here's the thing. Can you imagine what your life would be like if you changed your perspective and began to allow God to use your money and your resources to make an impact for his kingdom? To see people go into a foreign area and preach the gospel, and you helped fund that team to go? Can you imagine what would happen if you get to heaven and you meet people, and somehow you find out that it's because of your giving that they were able to know Christ? To me, that, that, that's what matters more than me having the latest gadget, gizmo, a fluff bank account. I want to live a life where God is using it to make an impact. So how do we stop serve money? How do we stop it? How do we cut it cold turkey? And let me go ahead and tell you something. This is not a thing that you'll hear this and you're going to do this this afternoon and you got it together. You don't have to do anything else. It's set and done. Nope. This is what's called a tension to manage. This is something that you and I, we have to be intentional about. Every time money hits our bank account, every time money leaves our bank account, we have to keep these three things in mind. The first one is we have to stop letting debt rule our life. And listen, I'm going to tell you, this is a tough one to chew on. This is what it says in Proverbs chapter 22, verse 7. Just as the rich rule the poor, so the borrower is servant to the lender. I had a mentor tell me that nothing is a bargain if you can't pay for it. How many times do we fall victim to the no interest for six months? How many times, like, well, it was on sale. I just couldn't pass it up. I have been that guy. Let me tell you, the conversation does not go over well. But one cool thing when I was in school for ministry, I had to take a class on finances. Not just organizational finance, personal finance. And I don't know if you knew this, but any minister, when they get ordained with any legitimate organization, any network, denomination, they actually have to take not just a plethora of classes to make sure they know stuff. They actually have to submit a credit report and a tithing report because pastors are not exempt from this. And when, and again, there are so many times where pastors want to lead a church. And their finances are in shambles, and you can't leave people where you're not at or where you're not going. So that's why for me, I've decided to take Financial Peace University, which is a phenomenal course from Dave Ramsey, which teaches you biblically how to manage your finances. It helps you to get out of debt, because how in the world can I talk and talk to individuals about finances if mine are in shambles and I can't keep myself afloat? Listen, we do not have to live and stay in debt because debt rules us we can't be a blessing to others because we have to pay chase we have to pay fed loan we have to pay our car payment and it hinders us but i believe and this leads us to the next action that we have to do is that we don't have to stay and live a life of debt but that will only happen step number two is to make a plan with your money make a plan with your money And this is my favorite part because I love making plans because I'm analytical like that. Now, some of you are like, well, Keith, that's that's not spiritual to plan. The Holy Spirit should be able to lead you and guide you. And I completely agree with you. However, Jesus says it's foolish not to plan. Luke 14, 28 says, but don't begin until you count the cost. Who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there's enough money to finish it? You see, you either tell your money where to go or your money will tell you where to go. You see, Dave Ramsey has this phrase that says, every dollar has a name. And because I tell my money where to go, I know where it's being spent. So you need to plan your money. And I know some of you are like, this is super unspiritual. Listen, God is going to work and you're going to see a margin that you didn't know. When you track how much you spend financially, it will blow your mind how much you spend money in certain areas. I remember the first time I tracked and saw how much me and my family spent just eating out. And I was on the floor because it was ridiculous. And you know what I did? I told my money where to go. I was like, not no more. No, no, no. Dave Ramsey going to fix this. Listen, make a plan with your money. This is what Proverbs 21.5 says. Good planning and hard work lead to prosperity. But hasty shortcuts. Hasty shortcuts. No, interest for six months. No, interest for... Hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. Make a plan to get out of debt. Plan how you'll spend. How much are you going to spend each month eating out? How much are you going to spend each month uh, giving? How much are you going to spend each month doing every activity? Give every dollar a name. Because again, one of the greatest areas people get into an argument is about money. And let me go ahead and tell you, the first couple of times you sit down, especially if you're married, you're sitting down with your spouse, and you're going to talk about where this money goes. Make it a romantic date. That'll keep it from becoming a fight. Sit down. Work through it. Make a plan for your money. And listen, I know some of you are like, I don't have any clue how to do that. Here's what we're going to do this week. We're going to be sending out an email. We're going to be posting on our Facebook page some resources to help you do this. Why? Because it matters. Why am I going to stand up here and say, hey, you need to plan your money, but good luck doing that by yourself. No, we want to resource and help you because we want you to live a life that's not serving money but serving God with your money. So here's the third. The third, And this is typically the one that people can get anxious about of how do we stop serving money is we need to be generous to kingdom work. We need to be generous with kingdom work. Paul said to the church in Corinth, he said this, chapter 9, verses 7 and 8, you must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. I not know about you, but I, even saying the word cheerfully, I have to smile because I feel weird if I say it with a, with a solemn, sad face. It says, and God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. That word cheerfully means with joy, with liberality, with generosity. That's why I love that we work into, when we talk about our worship and giving, we tell people don't feel pressure to give. Why? Because that's what it tells us in scripture not to do. It says to give cheerfully, give excitedly. I love, see me, I'm the automated guy. So each month at the beginning of the month, I get the email of uh, my tithe going out and I get excited because I know that that money is going to God's kingdom. It is not going to Keith's kingdom. It's not going to my savings account, which can be depleted at the drop of a hat, but it's going to something that will last for eternity. And here's the thing, like me and my family, and this is not like tooting my own horn, too toot, we give the first 10% each month, and we give a small percentage above that to other organizations that's making an impact. Why? Because we want to live a life of generosity. I want If I get audited, I want people to see that I'm a generous individual, that all my money is not just going to Chase and Chick-fil-A, though I love me some Chick-fil-A. Don't get me wrong. But what would happen if you were audited? If it were displayed, where does your money go? Because see, where your money goes, that's where your heart is. Is your heart for yourself, or is your heart for the Lord? Is your heart about pursuing and building God's kingdom, of having His purpose and desires fulfilled in you and through you? If it is, it should be reflected in the bank account. I know. Listen, this is not popular. This is not exciting. This isn't the kind where you pound the table and get so pumped. But listen, if you and I, if we're going to live a life that's going to make a kingdom impact. It has to go beyond our time and our skills so easily. We can say, oh, yeah, I've got time to serve. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm really great at this. But the second you talk about money, man, you grip that wallet. You clutch that purse as hard as you can because you're ready to fight someone. And here's the truth. As I said at the beginning, it's because of trust. And we live in a day and an age where we're seeing, listen, one of my favorite things I get to follow on Instagram is this account called Preachers and Sneakers. And what it is, it's just really people being dumb and posting outfits of all these known celebrity uh, pastors and ministers and clothes that are just astronomically priced. And listen, as I said, it's okay to have stuff. Don't let, just don't let stuff have you. But we live in a day and an age where we are skeptical of the church. You may be sitting here today and right now you are skeptical. You're like, I hear what you're saying, Keith, but I think you're a liar and I don't think you're telling me the truth. And really, you really, truly are out of for my money and you're using reverse psychology. No, man, I'm not. If I were, I would probably look better than this. I would probably dress better than this. But let me tell you what the real purpose of it all is. It is not about building this church called Thrive. It is about building God's church. It's about making an impact in our community. See, when we give here financially, as we're called to to give to the storehouse, give to the local church, what happens is it's not just put here so that we can have nice stuff. We would probably have better carpet if that were the case. We do it so that we can make an impact. I'd rather have crappy carpet and people come to know Christ through one of our community partners. I'd rather be able to supply our food ministry so they can bless families. Listen, listen. This this series is about you, God, and your money, about how God is leading you, how God is having you operate. And my prayer for this entire series is that our perspective will be shifted. My prayer this morning for you and for the next service that they get to go through this again is that God is massaging our heart to make it ready to receive this perspective shift Because there are many of you, I believe, that you're on the cusp of wanting to fully surrender to God. But finances is scary. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you, it is. And it requires faith. See, if I had money, I wouldn't need faith. And guess what? I'd rather have faith because God is faithful. God is trustworthy. God sent his only son Jesus Christ to die on a cross and to resurrect back to life not so that we can have stuff but so we can be forgiven of our sins so that we can have eternal life with him so that we can be used in the here and now to make an impact not to hoard and gather stuff like we're getting ready for an apocalypse but to be a blessing to people we come into contact with I want you and I want me, I want us to live the life that God's called us to a life that is whole, and a life that is complete. But it will not happen if we live a life serving money. But we need to live a life where our money is serving God. Because it's only in Him we can have joy. It's only in Him we can have contentment. It's only in Him that we can have security. It's not in stuff, and it's not in people, it's not in things, but it's only through Him and His care and His love for each of us. And I'm going to be honest with you. We cannot do this alone. We are going to need God's help if we're going to get out of debt, if we're going to make a plan, if we're going to bless and move forward in God's kingdom. We need his help because our strength will come to an end. If you would pray with me this morning as we do that. God, we thank you that you care for us, that you love us, that, God, you are faithful, you are trustworthy. God, I pray that as we've listened to this message today, that God, to help us to shift our perspective of money and finances as a way to bless you, as a way to serve you. God, help us to not live clenched fisted, but to live with an open hand in a way that we can bless others, that we can serve others. God, I pray today for those of us as we are, if we are struggling financially, God, I pray that we surrender all to you and allow you to be our supplier, allow you to be our provider. As you say in scripture, let us give cheerfully, not reluctantly or being pressured, but God, let us surrender everything to you. And as we continue to pray this morning, you may have walked into Thrive and you don't have a relationship with God through Jesus. I wanna invite you today to make the decision to follow Christ. This is the only way that we can have a whole life. Without him, we are just chasing the next thing. We're chasing the next person of which will fail us, of which will disappoint us. But God is faithful and just and he will never leave us nor forsake us. And today, if you want to make the decision to follow Jesus, I want you to say this prayer with me and say, God, I admit that I'm a sinner. I believe that by your death and resurrection I am forgiven of my sins. I confess that you are Lord of my life. I surrender everything to you. It's your holy name we pray, amen. Hey guys, every single week we have individuals that make a decision to follow Jesus. It's one of the most incredible things and why I love Thrive Church so much. Can we take a minute to celebrate with those that made that decision this morning? Your life would never be the same. And I want to encourage you. Here's what I'd love for you to do. If you made that decision today, on your connection card that you received when you came in, I want you on the back of it to mark that you've made the decision to commit or recommit your life to Christ. And what I want you to do with that is take it to our connection center because we have a free gift and a free Bible. We want to gift you and just celebrate with you of what God is doing in your life. And I challenge you over the next week or two to share with one or two people that you made this decision. Go public with your faith. And if you're new with us here at Thrive Church, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take that same connection card and go to our connection center for what we call, I talked about it earlier, called the after party. It's just a chance for myself and other team members just to connect with you, answer any questions you have. But probably what matters more to you than anything is to give that free gift that we have for you. And listen, do not forget, as Elizabeth was sharing earlier, next week kicks off Pass It All Week, one of my favorite weeks of the fall. And if you want to, again, come bring some baked goods, bring some brownies, some cookies. You will never know the, just the joy that these individuals have when they see us walk through the door because they know Thrive Church and they love Thrive Church. And if you're interested in actually helping us deliver these items, mark that on your connection card. I'd love to have you help us deliver these goods. But guys, God bless you. Thank you for being here. we see you next week as we continue our series of First Fruits. God bless. See ya.